Welcome to The Office, everyone. I am Andrew DeLulo. I'm Christian Liestrom. We are Amusing Council, and today uh, we are indulging me as I uh, talk about some reading I've done. Oh, oh, well, the first half of that I was going to say we do every time, but what kind of reading have you been doing? I've been reading up on privacy law in Ontario. Oh, you must have been very private about it because I didn't know a thing about it until just now. Well, buckle in. Um, okay, let's let's reveal to the public what you've been reading so quietly. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I'm really excited to let everyone else know uh, a little bit about privacy and tort and privacy. Uh, we really enjoy doing this podcast, and we hope you enjoy listening. It would really be bad for us if you didn't and you were still listening. But anyway, thanks, folks. <laughs> Until next time. Okay, so I've been thinking about privacy law an awful lot lately because... Um, Are you lonely? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a double entendre, actually. Yeah, anyway, no, no. Well, what, what I mean is it's, it's actually a really interesting and active area of law right now um, because we don't really have a whole lot of... like we, We're only actually, surprisingly enough, just developing the legal regime. That is surprising. Around. I know we've got all kinds of different agencies in the federal and provincial government that deal with privacy. Oh, absolutely. And you have... Uh, you know, the general respect for privacy in our charter rights. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. That's rights all over. Yes. Right. But all of those like that, that conception of privacy is actually quite old in that it's about securing the individual from the state. I okay. See. And we are really only just learning how to secure the individual from corporate entities mm. or effectively, in fact, other individuals. Right. Uh, yeah, sure. Right? Corp- corporations are people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've actually started to do some thinking about, uh, privacy law in general and, uh, really how privacy is going to develop in Ontario law, specifically maybe Canadian law in general, uh, informed a little bit by, uh, the world at large right now, but also sort of the legal scholarship that's happening in Canada and in Ontario right now. And I thought I'd share a few thoughts also, uh, just a quick refresher on torts. And, uh, yeah, just go from there. What do you, well, what do you, uh, you know what? If you have gone to the trouble of doing legal academic reading and saving me the trouble, I am in no position to argue. Okay. So uh, I wanted to kind of springboard off of our discussion. We did uh, torts a little while ago. We sure did. Yeah, we sort of like talked about um, whether meat or fruit. No. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm just never going to not make the pie joke. <laughs> Uh, no, we, we talked about like what a tort is because it's, uh, it's not immediately evident from the name. Unless you know a little bit of Latin for sure. Yeah, you've right, got to exactly. be led there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, criminal law obviously is about crime stuff like yeah. that. Real estate law is very self-explanatory. Torts are not. Yeah. And so we did civil wrong, right? Right. Yes, we did. Um, and about how they're sort of private individuals who have wronged one another and are using the, the tools of the state to sort of repair those relations to get back some kind of damage or to force some kind of specific performance to to right the wrong right exactly so they haven't they haven't committed a crime which would require the state to actually punish them with a fine or jail time they've you know done something wrong in a more private nature that doesn't necessarily need a criminal penalty right but is also you know a prohibited behavior that the state recognizes because there are lots of ways you can do somebody wrong without um actually committing a tort against them right whenever you say do somebody wrong i all i can think about is like a like a slow blues guy saying woman dummy wrong yeah. so. well i was kind of going for that yeah, yeah. well <laughs> woman dummy wrong 
that hurts your soul, but not a tort. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. It's not a tort to break to break a blues man's heart and have him and have him sing soulfully. In fact, doesn't it enrich the world? It does ultimately. Anyway, yeah. let's so get break back. up everyone out there. Break up with more blues and jazz artists. If <laughs> it's really it's their creative fuel. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Uh, so the interesting thing is, as we mentioned in the uh, in the previous podcast, tort law is constantly evolving. Um, and new torts are being created on a fairly regular basis um, as time goes on. Like, what will happen is somebody who, and I'm going to keep you doing it, somebody who got done wrong right. decides that they need the state, uh, the apparatus of the state, to make a decision and, and put them right. Sure. You know what I mean? So um, they'll apply and they'll sue under, you know, uh, a sort of a novel not exactly a novel tort, but they'll say like, we want the court to recognize that this is a the, wrong. They'll try to define a new cause of action that doesn't already exist. Yeah. Just exactly. say, look, all right, judge, uh, we're going to pitch some facts to you and you're going to tell the world that this is a, a course of behavior that ought be recognized as wrongful and yeah. that you, we're, we're going to call it something perhaps new. Yeah. So. And it, it should be fairly impersonal. Like you should be able to take from the facts a fairly impersonal set of principles like how you find a different person of course in different set of situations right it can't be hyper specific um which is why you have for example the tort of intrusion upon seclusion and the elements are uh, i can't recall exactly but the elements are uh, like an expectation of privacy and uh, you have to know that the person you're intruding upon would have an expectation of privacy in that area so on and so forth um you have to do all those things so it can't just be like a, a, a um let's say a sitcom situation where you stumble into uh, a bathroom and there's, you know, spit take and freeze and, ah, and the bathrobe comes up and everything like that. That's not an intrusion upon seclusion, right? It's not a tort. It's unintentional. Right. So the lack of intentionality doesn't make out the element. Though who knows, maybe there's room in the future for someone to have a tort of negligent intrusion upon seclusion. Sure. Maybe. I don't know yeah. how that would, how that would look, but maybe that could happen. Uh, the, the point we're making here is that, it's an open field, and if you can define some logical set of principles that uh, carves out a, a specific wrongful act that has been done and maybe done in the future, then that's open to a judge to to enforce. Yeah, and the judge has to. Yeah, the judge has to agree that it's you know something proper for the state to enforce as well. Yeah. So uh, okay, so that's the brief summary of torts. So the interesting thing is uh, privacy is uh, an active issue in our modern world as we become increasingly online increasingly socially connected and increasingly connected to one another uh what we're finding more and more is that things that we feel ought to be private are now becoming matters of public interest or public dissemination right um particularly i'm thinking right now private conversations go on okay uh well not sorry not just uh i guess not just private conversations but also just the idea that people have a right to privacy in a way that doesn't merely prevent the state from intruding upon your privacy. Sure. Like they have a right to privacy from one another. Okay. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of jump in here. Every time you say, you know, that there's a right to privacy, it's the sort of thing where you look around at the world in which we live and you sort of have an ironic smirk on. It. It's like, well, I don't really know. I've been selling so much of my data incidentally to Google and Facebook for so many years. I have no idea what right to privacy I reasonably could expect, but... Well, I mean, Canada has some pretty strong uh, laws on the books for protecting privacy of individuals from corporate 
uh, that we do. We do have uh, relatively strong, not as strong as, of course, the European Union, who take uh, the idea of that particular form of privacy very seriously. They're world leaders. Yeah, and, absolutely. And yeah. We're gonna we're gonna start to see presumably legislative changes over here eventually as those European models gain more force and effect. But well, um, I mean, the, okay. So just a sidebar: the European models they do have worldwide force and effect. Like they are all drafted to claim against the uh, the person who violates their statutes against worldwide profits or anything yes. like that. So people are going to already start working towards compliance. And that's a good thing. Right. But I'm saying that as other jurisdictions take that up and it becomes a, not, not merely, you know, um, internationally recognized de facto, but de jure, everybody's on the same page and enforcing those, those privacy rules at home and abroad. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, yeah. I that's see what, what I'm saying. Mean. Yeah. So, um, yeah, right to privacy is in fact like something that we're expecting more and more in a private context, but we don't actually have uh, a legislative or a, a tort framework or a civil framework for privacy. Right. Privacy. Privacy. Um, I'm gonna. Oh, don't la- go changing it now. No, no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna land on a particular pronunciation at some point <laughs> in this uh, podcast. Uh, we can all follow you. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is the problem with being Canadian. You're halfway between the American and the UK pronunciations. Um, I prefer privacy myself because privacy just makes me think privy, which makes me think of a washroom. Right. I can't think of anything except a water closet. And then there, the poetry just writes itself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of different ways of, uh, thinking about individual rights to being private against one another. And the way to do it really is with a tort. Right. Yeah. You have to uh, figure out what the elements of privacy are in tort. There are a couple of other ways to do it. Um, it's always civil law, but some other jurisdictions decide to do it as an outgrowth of a previous tort. So in the UK, for example, it's breach of confidence. That's a tort that's been around for a while. Sure. You tell somebody something in confidence and they tell it to a third party and you didn't intend them to you didn't intend that third party to know the secret. So they've. Sorry, are you about to tell me that they've generalized this breach of privacy into a broader tort that doesn't necessarily involve this third party transmission? Well, the third party is there, but the third party is kind of like to the public in general. Okay. Right. Yeah. Oh, so, that makes sense. But it's difficult because the third party can't really be the person who's also doing the disclosing, like the person who learned the secret first, which makes it difficult. Right. Hmm. So. If somebody does intrude upon your privacy for just their own benefit, it doesn't really fit in the breach of confidence framework. So the way the UK has adopted that is they sort of expanded the breach of confidence framework by saying the the third party can be the the breacher as well. Okay. Right. Uh, I, I think I follow that. Yeah. Sorry. That's one way to do it. Uh, I believe I understand that. Uh, what we do sort of a different thing here in Canada and that we're well on our way to creating an entirely new tort uh, or an entirely new branch of tort uh, for privacy uh, violations. Well, why don't you tell me? About, I, I know nothing about, um, okay, I shouldn't say I know nothing about tort law. Obviously, we've talked about it, but I'm not a litigator. I don't litigate in privacy, so this isn't something I've come across. Well, neither do I. This is actually, so like I said, um, in Ontario in particular, we sort of have we're sort of like taking bites out of the apple of the overall privacy law concept by creating these torts of like include intrusion upon seclusion and uh, public disclosure of private facts. Okay. Okay. So that kind of thing. So those are specific like sort of actions where you can take somebody's private information or being and disclose it in some way or reveal it in some way or have it be revealed to you without that the first person knowing. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, those things are specific rocks. But there is some thought in Canadian legal academics that constantly just taking little nibbles, uh, one, one specific set of facts that creates a tort and another specific set of facts that creates another tort, is kind of a, a difficult way to think about private privacy uh, or like private law. It's a difficult way to think about so the concept it, because there's no overarching. Like, how do we know if something is private? I see what private, you're saying. In, that in, the, in doing it piecemeal, there's no overall concept of what privacy actually means from a tort from a, a tort standpoint. Yeah, and so it might be better to uh, reformulate or recast the law as a top-down first disseminating a series of principles that would underpin violation of privacy in a tort. And what are the subtypes of that violation? We'll worry about that once we've established exactly the because then what you could do is not uh, constantly work towards like the court of appeal or the superior court of justice and say like, can you recognize this specific act as a tort? Right. Based on the fact that it's a violation of my privacy in some way. So it's all kind of a it's sort of a, a matter of finding the right test case that can tie together all these different. Um, approaches to privacy and tort law as subtorts. Yes, yes, okay. exactly. So, and the way you would then do that, like the way you could then work on that is actually have uh, the uh, provincial government pass a law that defines the tort of, uh, of course. violation yeah, of privacy, yeah, makes sense. right? And lay out the elements and uh, lay out the subtypes. And then, you know, Ontario courts could take that and run with it. Sure. Which is something that, you know, courts are very, very good at doing. Mm -hmm. uh, judges are very, very good at doing. I mean, they're also good at creating new torts. Uh, I mean, it's, it's bread and butter for uh, uh, judges. Well, you could do it either way. It. I mean, given the fact that we have, you know, we have a privacy commissioner, right? Mm -hmm. it, it would not be out of scope for the, the Office of the Ontario uh, Privacy Commissioner to issue a set of guidelines uh, to the Assembly. Right, exactly. Uh, you can do it. Obviously, we're talking sort of in the provincial context, Ontario torts. You could also have uh, the federal privacy commissioner uh, do sort of like a nationwide set of guidelines. Sure. And uh, everyone else can adopt. But the whole idea, I mean, the whole idea is that this is an area where you can actually sort of get ahead of, uh, you know, the civilian applications to create torts and just sort of like say we recognize a general right to privacy. Yeah, why? But would, you have yeah. to understand what privacy is. Sure. This right? all comes from having a distinct logical understanding of, yeah, constructing the concept of privacy in a way that the courts will be able to digest and in a way that should it come to uh, provincial assemblies, that uh, they can actually write legislation that says the torts shall consist of the following elements. Yeah. <laughs> So when you're going to do that, it's actually kind of interesting. So the way we described creating torts before in the previous podcast was uh, sort of how the courts do it. And we talked about that at the beginning of this podcast as well. But the way the legislature will do it is kind of in a different way because it has to grapple with what it's doing. So the first thing it has to ask itself is, is, it, is this even uh, an area where the state has um, a right to legislate and enforce? Right. Okay. So is there uh, a social or a policy based value in protecting individuals from intruding upon one another? I love I love when uh, courts and legislatures actually have to talk about policy specifically. Right. So uh, and this is, of course, bread and butter of legal academics. And I mean, generally, the agreement now is yes, absolutely. Um, leaving aside the fact that people don't like being peeped on uh, <laughs> and, and, and on occasion, that's even a criminal act. Uh, having a general set of principles for privacy 
and respecting it in a general sense as opposed to simply in uh, individual violations uh, and then trying to like you know decide which violations are enforceable or not it's it's better to have just a, an overall sense well from a social policy perspective i think you'd have to basically have your have had your head under a rock or in the sand or something for the last six or seven years for this not to be a live issue to you we've all got privacy concerns but whether we are willing to admit it or not um so yeah if ever there were a, a time and place for this kind of thing to be grappled with well out in the open it's here and now right exactly and then the next thing you have to ask yourself if you're the legislature is how do you want to deal with it because do you want to use the tools of criminal law or do you want to uh create the uh civil do you want to make it a civil category of offense sure or do you want to do a hybrid or do you want to do right because obviously we have there are peeping tom laws yeah uh, it is uh, possible to uh, use the criminal power to, uh, you know, enforce and reg- and uh, prevent, if you can, uh, certain forms of intrusion upon privacy. Um, but if you're just doing it for everything, perhaps, you know, bringing criminal charges in every instance is inappropriate. Perhaps so. <laughs> it's inappropriate. Yeah, I mean, from a public policy perspective, I think that that would be off the table. Yeah. So then you go to the civil. So then obviously the the alternative to using the criminal power is to use the civil power. Uh, and if you're going to use the civil power, do you already have a tort that basically does it? So, like we said, the UK is adapting breach of confidence, mm-hmm. uh, which is an existing tort and it's existed for a long, long time. They're finding it sometimes works, it sometimes doesn't work. Uh, I mean, they've had to extend it in a couple of ways. Um, but they prefer working in that framework. Um, I know that in the U.S., they like just taking the tort of negligence and just applying it to everything, if they can. I happen, I'm sympathetic to that viewpoint. I like yeah. negligence is pretty well understood. It already takes up half your first year tort law class. Right, exactly. So they just they just make. Uh, I mean, I, this is not the same in every state. Sure, but like very often, you can just say they negligently displayed my private information yeah well because then you get to ask all the questions within the 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 story of that one tort was there a a duty of care oh did you meet that standard of care yeah and those are the things you're gonna have to ask in any in any of these situations anyway so is so so just as i think about it the more i like it what have we done what are we going to do in canada so well i don't know what we're going to do uh what we've done to date is create new individual uh privacy respecting torts uh that don't necessarily rely on the negligence framework uh, they rely on their own set of uh, set of requirements, um, but I think the general support now that we've started down that path is to uh, continue and make privacy torts their own category as opposed to just a subcategory. So enough apples have fallen off the yeah. tree that we are now maybe capable of defining the tree. Right, exactly. Uh, but then, of course, if you're going to create your own category, you have to figure out what's the damage that's been suffered, and how do you make it. Like what? What is the penalty to make it right? Right. Because uh, if you're doing breach of confidence, like the whole idea of breach of confidence is it's usually an economic damage, because somebody lost money because your private information was uh, sure. disseminated. It's it's kind of like an economic, like it was a businessy context that they were thinking of breach of confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've given away my secret. Yeah, of course. Information, right. right. Uh, negligence. Uh, the damage is usually uh, you can you can post a receipt, right. and you've lost something. Or uh, the tort of negligence also allows, uh, you know, punitive damages because the duty of care, you violated the duty of care. Yeah. It may not be necessarily, uh, you know, it may there may not be a money amount, but we need to make sure you're not doing it anymore. So mm-hmm. there's that. Um, 
but if you're creating your a brand new tort, you have to figure out. Yeah, there needs to be some like logical underpinning for what you're going to peg the damages to. I can see already that's going to be a bit of a problem if we're talking about a grand tort of of you know invasion of privacy or violation of privacy, and someone says, for example, oh, the whole world now knows that I'm into this weird porn or something. Like, yeah. how do you how do you how do you put a number on that? Right, uh, you probably can't, but probably can't. There's uh there is a way to sort of work around that in tort law, which is just to say that if somebody has a legal right to a thing and you deprive them of that legal of the legal right by, you know, not giving them that thing. By doing the tort. Or taking of, away that thing of, from not, them. Yeah. Then that in and of itself is enough of a damage. Sure. And so the, the punishment would then be, uh, well, it would probably end up left up to the legislature to come up with a punishment range. Yeah, sure. And then the courts would decide uh, based on fact-specific scenarios where in that range a specific act lies. But there's always going to be interpretation by the court. Yeah, and that, that right? first couple dozen cases are going to be very interesting to watch for what the quantum of damages are in every individual case. And that's going to be, oh, that, that's already, that already sounds exciting. You get to look at like a spreadsheet and everything. Right. Well, I mean, we have a very famous uh, precedent in uh, civil law and employment law, right? The Globe and Mail. Um, uh, are we going to go Bartle factors here? Bartle factors. Yeah. yeah. Bartle and Globe and Mail. Yeah. Where you know that you owe a person a certain amount of money if you wrongfully dismiss them. Yeah. But how you figure out how much money you owe them is based on a set of factors set, you know, near the turn of the century. Yeah. Quite some time ago. And we'll go into the Bartle factors in the future when we talk a bit more about employment law. But as a, it's a useful, thank you for bringing it up, because it's a really useful tool for understanding the way that we assess damages in that for the uh, the Bartle factors are a series of, of specific questions the judge asks about the scenario where somebody's you know wrongfully dismissed where how long were they working how likely are they to get further work uh, stuff like that that sort of moves the slider one way or the other in this range of possible damages that suggests oh they're owed three quarters of the absolute maximum they could get so over the course of the developing case law in this privacy tort what we're going to see is once a couple dozen, few dozen are sorted out, mm-hmm. we'll have a better idea than than no idea at all, which is what we have right now, of what what specific sub factors would lead to greater consideration of damages one way or the other. Yeah. It really is trial it, it's trial and error, is is how you find this stuff out. Yeah. So I mean it's this is not to say that of I am aware of any kind of a, a bill or act of parliament that's going to create the tort of uh, privacy. Right. But if you describe violation. it, if we assume that it's going to go this way yeah. based on what the academics are saying. And, you know, as I say, I don't know very much about this area of the law at all. Yeah. Um, whatever you've read on this puts you exactly that far ahead of me. Uh, hmm. So, um, yeah, as it develops, and I, I would like to think that some overarching regime is is brought to bear because it's I think that I, I like top down law more than I like bottom up law just in general. Yeah, that, that, that's me. Does it come as a surprise to you that I'm kind of a statist ultimately? Uh, no, no, uh, you you filthy communist. What's yeah, the phrase now. Oh, it doesn't matter. Whatever. I'm a, a pinko bike riding something something. Let's anyway go on. Oh, latte sipping. We yeah, forgot. all these champagne sipping downtown elite. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, no, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I am a little bit more agnostic because I do like to see the creativity of our bench. Uh, at play that sounds dangerous <laughs> anyway go on well i mean the classic uh, everyone loves to read lord denning yes but, man we should the, probably talk about it but the point. reason we like reading lord denning is because he is uncommon amongst judges that is true yeah okay um top down bottom up it's actually very interesting i think we're, we are getting well prepared for a top-down approach to privacy to sort of mirror what's happened in uh the european union mm-hmm. uh, i think canada is more sympathetic to that approach than perhaps 
<laughs> shoveling everything under negligence. Yeah, then perhaps the U.S. is. <laughs> Notwithstanding my prior stated preference. Like, I just like that. Not, I don't really it's like cute. it. It's, it's, it's cute. cute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's adorable. It's like, <laughs> oh, you, you think you're doing law. Um, but Bottom Up is also very cool because, as I said, uh, you get to see the full creativity, uh, creative force of our judiciary at play. Um, and watch somebody's eyebrows get singed off when they uh, when something's flipped at the Court of Appeal. Yeah, so ready for top-down, bottom-up, either way. What I'm going to say is because private civil law surrounding the right to privacy and privacy from individuals against other individuals is actually the sort of actively developed area of law, I think it's even more important to go speak to a lawyer for this one because the, just as a little coda to this whole thing, a lot of people like to import the idea of... Uh, privacy from the state into privacy from one another and they think they're directly applicable yeah oh wow they are so different yeah but they are very very different in the same way that um free speech issues are very very different when you're approaching it from yes. a uh yes. versus state versus a versus individual yeah approach privacy is again one of those things where it's going to be a huge nebulous area of law like free speech is it's going to be almost a I'll know it when I see it situation. And I think that we are very rapidly approaching the point with uh, social media um, penetration into our society and all the rest of that, that privacy is going to be like the next huge issue. Like if we were to have an American revolution or an equivalent revolution today where uh, a new government forms itself uh, and creates a constitution, they might very well decide to put privacy as one of their... Uh, uh, fundamental foundational rights. One of the guiding lights. Yeah, yeah. It, it does follow. I mean, and, and we'll come in, I'm sure at some point we will have an episode devoted just to the charter. But it's interesting as you say that, yeah, it, to we're going to loop sort of peek forward there that, yeah, the, the obligations that the state has to the individual, that's why we have constitutions. Mm -hmm. And it, there's a huge gap here uh, with respect to our actual understanding of the implications of violating another individual person's privacy and you're completely right when you say we import these things from a different sphere where the word privacy means something while analogous is actually completely different because it's about care and control by the state um, yeah. under the charter, under the American you know, constitutional regime. And the idea of, yeah, the, the fact of, of these persons mm. like a Facebook, a Google, uh, you know, MySpace or whatever the heck, you know, <laughs> and, yeah, I remember MySpace used to be a thing, but uh, giving them care and control of your data in many cases in many parts of the world, they are strictly speaking more more powerful, and influential than than local government, yeah, or, or the government of, of the state. So, to, it's a it's a lacuna, you might say, a gap in our understanding of a basic concept, not just of the law, but of human interaction. I probably wouldn't say that because I'm not confident pronouncing that word. Well, tough. I did it for well, or or on the other hand, uh, you're welcome. Yeah. So I did it. Um, but we've got this gap in understanding of what privacy is, what it should mean, and uh, it's very quickly. It's one of those things where there's mounting evidence that we are going to have to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thank you for indulging me. I anytime, man. Like I said, if you want to read an academic article and sort of spit it back at me, I am I'm here for it 100% of the time because I don't like doing that myself anymore. And if our listeners out there are at all interested, uh, I would the one I particularly the one author I particularly enjoyed reading was uh, Chris Hunt uh, out in Alberta. Uh, I thought that his uh, writings on the subject were particularly interesting. Okay, uh, I think that might be enough for today. Uh, did very much enjoy talking about privacy, and uh, hopefully, uh, privacy and privacy in torts, and hopefully we'll do more of that. Uh, I just want to remind everyone out there that we have 
uh, you know, full suite of online presence, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, all the iTunes, all the rest of that. If you Google Amusing Council, you'll find us. Yeah. So uh, until next time. See you, folks.